Brave New Media. Welcome to Brave New Media, a global podcast where creators of public interest media outlets tell us their stories. I'm Mahataki from BBC Media Action, and in this series, we explore the roles media can play in different contexts and how these roles impact their relationship with political powers. In our last episode, we heard about Project Multatuli and how it stood up against authorities, a public interest mission probably familiar to many journalists. But in this episode, we will meet a founder of a Tanzanian radio station, Highlands FM, who tells us about her media outlet's mission, which is very different to that of Multatuli. If you perpetuate conflict, you will generally have no impact, and we are an impact media. So if we are more critical instead of more helpful, they will not help our population or help us. So what will we be gaining? You will be more critical and you'll be more popular. You know, people will side with you more, they'll listen to you more. But on the field, what are you actually getting? It does not serve my population good if I cannot serve them. If the government shuts me down, I cannot help my people. So my general goal is my population. What is the best way to get them to be visible? That was Jacqueline Lawrence, who is the director and owner of Highlands FM, a radio station broadcasting in the region of Mbeya in southern Tanzania. And it's Jacqueline we will be speaking to in this episode. She will share how Highlands FM creates engagement and dialogue between communities and their local government to serve the public interest. Increased public participation can only be a good thing, right? But what happens when government policy conflicts with your idea of public interest? Do you have to take a side? Highlands FM tread this narrow path. So let's dive into their story. To begin with, Jacqueline tells us about the region Highlands FM serves and its average listener. We cover a population of about 5 million people in southern Tanzania, in, coming from the small region of Mbeya. We are called the Green City. Vegetation grows throughout the year, rainfall throughout the year. And the funniest thing about this region is that we have almost more than five climates. One district is hot, the other district is rainy. So everything grows in Mbeya. Mbeya serves... Um, the agricultural needs of the whole country, even of the neighboring country, Malawi and Zambia. Uh, the region occupies uh, 75% farmers and small business owners. The ordinary listener of Highlands FM is a farmer. They carry their little radio to their farms, listen to the weather, listen to the news, and almost more than uh, 80% of the population practice farming in Bear. If they're not trading agricultural goods, they are farming. So this is who Highlands FM is uh, serving. Highlands FM's story begins 11 years ago, after Jacqueline returned from studying abroad in India. I went to university in India uh, maybe 13 years ago, if not 14. And uh, as an ordinary person, you expect that you return to your country and you see some sort of advancement, you see changes, different from the living conditions that you left behind. And uh, it, was, it was not happy for me to come back to a region where everything was the same. 
access to services was the same. I grew up in the same conditions and I saw the same conditions continuing. Basic services were only in the town. When you go just 20 kilometers away, there is no electricity, there is no water, schools are scattered, people don't have access to hospitals. Uh, if health centers were there, they didn't have medicine or doctors. The roads were, were extremely terrible. Farmers were farming uh, rice and tea and coffee, but transportation from the firms to the marketplace is a challenge. It made me a little shocked. And it pushed me to want to do something about that. And that's when we thought, we need to highlight these challenges that we're seeing. We need to ensure that these people's voices are heard, so these challenges are met, so that we can lift this region from where it is right now to higher. I remember telling uh, my parents and uh, my friends that one day Mbeya is going to be... uh, the highest economic region in the country and everyone would laugh. (laughs) So initially I wanted to do a a magazine or newspapers but as I progressed the the voice of radio was too strong. It was free and the population uh, can afford this. Very different from magazine or television. Not everyone could afford a television set or to buy a newspaper every day. So we thought definitely radio would work for us. Before we started the radio, we observed that a lot of the population in Bear listened to radio. These were national channels, uh, international channels as well. Um, we had a lot of BBC, <laughs> a lot of uh, Voice of America, a lot of um, national channels. But the disconnect was there was no representation of the local voices on those radio. So they were listening to them and hoping and calling for their voice to represent their challenges, but it was rarely addressed. All other medias were just focused on entertainment. It was entertainment radio here, entertainment radio there, entertainment radio everywhere. And we thought we have to be different. And that's where we came in. Maybe we can pose this difference. Maybe we can be there to fill the gap that the people have with the media. Since launching the radio station, Jacqueline has been focused on using it to make a difference in her community. To do that, Highlands FM, as well as playing music, broadcasts public interest programmes. These programmes include radio plays that raise awareness around issues such as women's rights and education, as well as public debates between citizens and local and national government officials. Highlands FM believes that it needs to foster cooperation and create dialogue between the government and communities they serve. This means, says Jacqueline, that they have to avoid head-on confrontation with the government. When we first started the radio 11 years ago, Media was not very positive with the government. They were like cat and mouse. Hence, even when we started programs to help communities, we faced a lot of challenge into getting participation. And we thought that we have to develop a new mechanism to work together to get actual impact within uh, the the region. The media that we see in... uh, in the Western world or other parts of the world is not the same that we can do in our country because we had a government who was uh, 
very very head on with the with the media. Hence, we thought this approach will not help us. Jacqueline describes this way of working with the government as a partnership, but the government didn't want to be a collaborative partner at first. When we started a program for public forums, local government leaders would meet with the public to discuss uh, challenges facing their constituency and how to mitigate them together, making choices and decisions together. People would not understand why a radio would do that. So in the beginning, local government was not participating. They did not understand why radio would be focused on that. For the first year, we did these meetings ourselves, <laughs> just with the people. And eventually the government came along like, okay, we understand what you're doing now. We want to be a part of it. And through this sort of collaboration, we saw changes within the region. We saw uh, citizens discussing budgets of the districts for the first time with the local government. We saw transparency, accountability, and we thought this is the way to go. Highlands FM's approach of creating conversation with political powers has, perhaps inevitably, led to criticism. Jacqueline explains. We have had a high number of backlash. Some, some populations even claim we were owned by the government or they had shares in our, our media house, which was basically not true. And it's not that we are not completely critical of the government or of other regimes or of private sector that, you know, even fund our radios. But we allow room for negotiation. We allow room for collaboration. I think the year would be 2015, right before the 2015 elections. We were running a program alongside other medias, about 20 other medias, on public services availability in rural Tanzania. And among all those medias, we were the only one who were getting positive impact. Uh, and we were working side by side with members of parliament. They were uh, positively uh, welcoming us to the parliament to represent the problems that we're finding in the constituencies and so that they can present it to the ministers and in the parliament. And other medias, as well as other people, were very shocked. Like, in this regime, how are you getting such positive uh, impact if you're not owned by the government or they don't have stake in your media? And I remember having to explain, because we asked them to partner with us and we asked to help them reach their goals. Why don't you use media to reach your goals? And how do we impact this region? But they went in with a critical view, like the government is not doing this. Why are they not doing this? It's their fault. We should find who um, the negative person who is here. But we didn't use that route. So that was the difference. As well as facing backlash, another challenge of Highlands FM's approach is when the government puts restrictions on what media can and cannot say. Even during national and global crises, when the public really need to know what is going on. We have had um, a lot of conflict navigating around issues affecting global scale and representing it to the local, local audience without stepping on toes with... Uh, local government or central government orders or directions. One of the challenges that we faced highly was during COVID. At the time, the government was very critical on uh, 
COVID information. They wanted everything to go through them first. So we had to be very careful with our message. There was uh, a lot of directives on what words we can and can't use. I remember there were moments where we could not use the word COVID. They, in their minds, they're thinking we are preserving the population from mass panic as it was happening in other countries. And we as a media, we are saying we're looking at the interests of the people. And they are going to get sick. They need to know how to prevent themselves. So we saw how do we get around this? How do we uh, uh, ensure that our people are informed without going against uh, the regime or going against what they believe? We were broadcasting uh, prevention mechanisms without using the words. And we would even have local government doctors come in and talk about it. We had to use a consistent flu or any other word but not say the word COVID. Because the government didn't want to clearly state that there was COVID in the country, it was extremely difficult for journalists working at Highlands FM to ascertain the truth. There was a lot of information from different sources. We're seeing information from general population who are affected, people reporting who's sick, what's happening, hospitals are being, uh, influx of people at hospitals. Verification was very difficult. I remember at the time, even social media was trying to verify information that was being aired. It was very frustrating for a journalist, even for myself. We had numerous meetings with uh, local government uh, officials, health officers, what the figures were on the ground, how many people are getting sick, what's really happening. And uh, with the government, I think we decided to meet in the middle when everyone saw that, okay, this is really happening and we have to ensure that people are safe. But it, it was an extremely difficult period for, for us, for media in general within the country to navigate around. Now, Jacqueline is convinced their approach to creating conversation with the government has been vindicated. The proof can be found, she says, in the tangible improvements that can be seen in the region Highlands FM serves. Riwa was a village that had no electricity, no access to water. Schools didn't have toilets. Um, and even the road to go to Riwa was uh, extremely troublesome. Impassable, almost. We conducted a live debate there, and we invited the local government to speak to the people. It was very violent. There was police there because people were angry. They were asking questions. They were not understanding why they had been forgotten. And after that meeting, I think everyone was uh, sad, shocked, questioning why that was happening. But we didn't allow our media to speak on the situation. We much more highlighted the voices of the people. This helped us because it did not seem like we were instigating trouble. After six months, the road was built. There was water access. The schools were bettered. Even the hospitals were bettered. We saw that by highlighting these regions, accountability could take place. And this caused quite a high amount of change within the region. I said before, I used to tell my family and my friends that one day Mbeya will be a high economical region in Tanzania. And it happened. When we were new in Mbeya 11 years ago, it was still a 
very, very low income region. But 11 years later, Mbeya, just last year, it was declared the third highest earning region in Tanzania. There's more investment going into Mbeya. The government is looking at challenges, solving them. More businesses are moving into Mbeya. The economy is now robust. So we can say we do see the difference of media, and we cannot say it is solely by us. But when we began and other people saw what we were doing, other media sprung up as well. So we had one media, which is ours, but 11 years later, there are now 16 media houses, all doing the similar things that we are doing. So other people would say this is competition, but we would say this is impact. You know, it's, it's good for us, it's good for the region. Brave New Media. After talking to Jacqueline, I wanted to explore the role that Highlands FM plays with someone who understands a media landscape in the region. So, I called up Alphonse Shindu, a Kenyan journalist who works with Africa Czech in Tanzania and across the East Africa region. I began our interview by asking what stood out for him the most when he listened to Jacqueline's story. She stands out for me as different. The kind of medium she's putting out is, okay, we're going to sit down with the people. I'm going to give people a voice. And it doesn't matter whether the government is involved. It doesn't matter whether public figures are involved. I'm going to the community. The community is going to tell their stories. And I'm going to galvanize change from that point upwards. So you could notice that when she started, it took a whole year, she says, before the government came back and said, okay, we would want to be part of this public participation forum that you guys are putting together and we want to speak uh, and to take the conversation to the next level where it's not just ideas or policy ideas in papers, but policy ideas which are reflected into the lived realities of the people living in Bear, the people living in Riwa village, uh, where all this transformation was happening. And that for me, I think is it's quite different. It's not, it's not something a lot of media houses think, and it's not a mindset that many media houses in the region and in Africa have. Okay, so let's dive deeper into Jacqueline's story. Yes. What did you think when you heard her describe how during COVID, Highlands FM had to navigate restrictions on what they could and couldn't say? I found it odd, but in the circumstances, in the media circumstances at the time, I would understand. When she mentioned something like there were words they could not say, like you could not say COVID on air, you could just say what? Was it consistent blue or something like that? Mm. And then she says the messaging was very directed and there was this tennis match that was going on between the journalists and the media houses on one side and the government on the other, where the government is telling you, no, you're not, you're not going to talk about COVID, but the media houses are pushing back a bit to the extent that they cool at the time, that no people are going to get sick. So we have to prepare them. But the fact that they were having that conversation, that back and forth, for me, shows that, yes, there's room for independence if you dialogue with whichever uh, power. Uh, and in these circumstances, there was a terrible, terrible power imbalance between media houses and government policy. But what can you do in context where you have an authoritarian government? 
I mean, it seems really easy to say media outlets should push for freedom of expression. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that without the institutional protections and the media safeguards, it's just so much harder to operate without fear of being shut down or censored. So I'd like to hear from you whether the kind of notion of independence in its purest form works in contexts where the ruling government isn't open to dissenting voices. When you are in regimes that can wake up one day and they are angry about your coverage and they shut you down, when you are in such environments or in such media ecosystem, you have to uh, be very practical about it. The first thing you have to do is keep the media house open, keep the lights on. And how do you do that? You have no option but to speak to the government. Uh, People might look at it as uh, cotowing to the needs of the government, but the bigger picture is if you're shut down, you will not be telling the stories of the people you want to tell. So it's not, no single story should uh, make you get shut down. That's much more important than the puritanical dogmatic aspects of media independence that most theorists or most uh, people insist on. Yes, we strive for that, but it's aspirational. It's not something that would work in the authoritarian environments in most of the continent. It's not something that would work in fragile or transitional democracies that this continent has. But when Jacqueline described the period where she goes into parliament and gets a lot of backlash from other media organisations... We later learned that during that time in Tanzania, the government was uh, allegedly attacking and shutting down many other media outlets. Yeah. So media outlets saw Highlands FM's approach, creating dialogue with political authorities, as a form of treason. Yes. So what would your thoughts be on the situation? When I look at that conversation, I can understand why Highlands FM would be seen as betraying, because the media is trying to band together, but their goals are different. Uh, Working with government could be seen as betrayal, working with government could be seen as uh, collaboration, but there is nuance in all this. You just have to look at what's the intention, what are the goals, and that will tell you whether it's a betrayal or whether it's a collaboration towards the public. So one last question, and it's on this point you just raised about contributing to the public good. Can you explain in more detail how you think Highlands FM's approach serves audiences? The tiny example, as I conclude, I can give is the work that we do at Africa Tech. So when we started, I was coming from the newsroom, spent 15 years in the newsroom, and I'm coming to Africa Tech. I'm coming with that adversarial mindset where um, if somebody is, uh, you go out and you try to prove people wrong by pointing out to them that this is wrong. And then as, the, as I got to understand fact-checking in the first like three weeks, I realized it's about having a conversation, asking these public figures, okay, you've claimed this, this is your claim, this is the data that we have. It's public data, it's publicly available. Uh, what's the proof of the claim that you're making? Having that dialogue is important because these people would often repeat numbers, and I have seen it countless times in Parliament. One person would wake up and mention a figure. The second contributor will repeat the same figure. And none of them, if you ask them, where did you get that figure from? 
none of them would say uh, the source of this figure is this. And these are the people who are going to make laws. These are the people who are going to vet government policy. So for me, having that discussion with these people, having that collaborative approach is much more important in the long term. Because uh, why do we do what we do if it's not about changing society, it's not about progress? In Kenya, we usually say there is one conversation going on in the media, which is at the ceiling, it's very high level, and there's a conversation that is going on on the floor, uh, on the ground level, which is where reality exists. And I think Highlands uh, Radio has found a way to narrow that gap and have a meaningful conversation that changes lives for real people. Brave New Media. Thank you, Alphonse, for sharing your insights. And thanks to you for listening to this episode. An episode that raises some interesting questions, like is collaboration with authorities compromising independence? Or is it leading to tangible change and progress for the public? Often, the discussion around this topic becomes polarised between two extremes. However, as Alphonse points out, there is nuance to consider. And it's important to look at the intentions and goals behind any collaboration and ask whether it's towards the public good. I think it's also important to remember that there are many different approaches and goals of journalism. And not all media outlets focus on hard-hitting, watchdog-type reporting as their mission. For some, they might want to focus on providing service provision, building local identity, or facilitating conversations between people and officials, like the mission of Highlands FM. But let us know your thoughts by joining the conversation on Twitter. And please do subscribe, rate and review on your preferred podcast platform. Brave New Media is a co-production between BBC Media Action and Holy Mountain. The presenter was Mahataki. The producer was Saskia Black. The executive producers were Mahataki, Paul Harper and Boss Temple Morris.